Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. I want to start off uh, this new series today by telling you kind of my journey with the idea behind this sermon series. Uh, 16 years ago, 16 years ago, I was interim pastor at Las Casas Baptist Church, and while I was there, um, a couple gave me this book, Craig and Bobby Davidson. And sometimes uh, pastors are given lots of books. And so they gave me the book, and they said, this book, The Blessed Life, has really impacted our life. And they said, we'd love for you to read it. Well, I I didn't. I I put the book on my shelf in my office, and it sat there. And then about uh, two or three years ago, a man in our church was in my office, and he saw it sitting on the shelf. He's like, hey, you read that book? No, I haven't. And so he asked if he could borrow it, and I said, absolutely, and I gave it to him, and then he brought it back to me, and I still hadn't read the book. And then about uh, back in November, so, you know, three months ago, a pastor friend uh, who serves at a church in Townsend, Tennessee, said, Kent, you ever read that book called The Blessed Life? No, I haven't. And uh, we were actually, Sean and I were spending some time with him. They had invited us to do a marriage retreat for their church. And he said, here's the deal. In all my years of ministry, I've never read a book that has impacted me and my church more than this book and the biblical principles that are taught in the book. So I guess it was one of those third times the charm maybe kind of scenarios. I picked up the book. I've read the book, church, okay? <laughs> Yay, all right. And so really what we're going to do in this sermon series is I'm, I'm just looking at the biblical principles that Pastor Robert preaches uh, and shares in this book, and I'm going to do my very best to share that with you as a church. Here's what I believe. I am convinced that if you will fully engage in this series, and I'm just going to put it out there, I'm asking you to fully engage to as best you can to be every single week for this series because I believe if you will engage in this, it's not only going to change, listen to me, you. It's going to change you. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change things that happen in your workplace. It's going to change your relationships, not only with family, but with friends. Because this book and the principles of Scripture that are taught in the book It just will change your entire life. And so let me say this. The blessed life, it's it's not so much about you having a blessed wallet or a blessed pocketbook, but the principles we'll see in God's Word, this is really about what does it mean to live a blessed life. So I want you to grab your Bibles, and I want you to open them up uh, to two different verses And if you didn't bring a Bible or you use your smartphone, it's going to be hard to go back and forth. But the first one I want you to go to is Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and then we're going to look at Luke chapter 6, two different passages. 
And, and here's why we're going to do that. We're going to read the Matthew 7 text first, and then we'll jump to what, what people call a parallel passage. You know, in the Gospels, there are parallel teachings. So first, look with me, Matthew chapter 7, and we'll put it on the screen, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Jesus says, do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Now, now we're going to leave that on the screen for just a minute. I, I want, you know, we're going through our small group ministry as transition, and part of that is memorizing scripture. I want you just to say this with me. I know you may not memorize it immediately, but just say this with me. Look at the screen. Let's say it together. Do not judge. Oh, you're repeating after me. I don't care how you do it. Let's just say it. Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Now, let me ask you a quick question. That verse right there, does that verse say anything at all about money? Nothing, right? Okay, now I want you to go with me to the book of Luke. Chapter 6, the parallel verse. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Look at it. We'll put the first part of this on the screen. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Parallel passage. At the last part of verse 38. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And you're like, yeah, okay, duh. It's in both books of the Bible here. It's the exact same thing. And so what I want you to remember, parallel passages, Matthew 7, then in Luke's recording, he, he adds to it a little bit. Luke tells us a little bit more detail, and here's what I want you to know. Please listen. I believe that most Christians, Pastor Kent included, most of us have missed the context of what Jesus is teaching in this text. Look at all of Luke 6, 37 and 38. We'll read both verses together. Here's what Luke records. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, once again, look at this. I'm going to ask you the same question. Anywhere in that text, do you see the word money? Is it there? Not at all. And yet, most of the time when Christians think about or look, look at Luke chapter 6, 38, we think about money. We think about money. As a matter of fact, most of us in this room, when we just hear the word give, we think about money. If someone were to come up to me and ask me this question, Kent, I'm curious, how often do you talk about giving at Hope Fellowship Church? You know what my answer would be? Well, we, I pretty much talk about that every single week. But here's my point. Your question was, how often at Hope Fellowship Church, Kent, do you talk about giving? You didn't ask me 
how often I talk about giving money. Follow me here. Every single week, we desire to... The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the gospel cannot be preached unless you talk about giving. Think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Think about it. Every week at Hope Fellowship Church, we don't always talk about it from up here, but, but we're saying this to you through the bulletin and through the signage. We say we are a church that loves God, loves people, and proves it. Think about it. And you have to give, give of yourself if you desire to live out the mission of our church. So when we talk in this series about biblical giving, I want you to begin to see that it impacts every single area of your life because... Watch this. Giving is really all about the heart. Giving is really all about the heart. And we know that because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It, it all comes together. Now, I'm a, I'm a realistic person. I've heard people say this. Listen to me. I've heard people say this about the church. They usually have a grumpy voice. Well, <clears throat> that, that was a weird grumpy voice, wasn't it? <laughs> They'll say, uh, you know that church? That church just wants my money. I don't go there. They just want my money. That, you'll hear that. I've heard that. Let, let me say this. It is not the church that wants your money. But hear me, do you realize it, it's God? It's God that wants your money. Now, before you get all turned off, hang with me. You might ask, why is that? Why is that? Why is that, Kent? Why, why do you say that? Think about it. Ultimately, friends, God is after your heart. Follow me. Ultimately, our Lord is after your heart, and your heart, whether you like it or not, is connected to your wallet. Your heart follows your treasure. For example, you're like, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Let me give you a really simple example. Some of you in this room, if you decide, you know what, I've got a little extra money, I'm going to invest some money in the stock market. You know what you do. You start logging in every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, to see how your money is doing. You never did that before you put your money in there. You never did that one single time. You never cared about that before, but you do now because your treasure is there. Go back to the text with me. I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about, this whole problem of context in this verse, Luke chapter 6, 37, I want you to see how the context of this, when it talks about judgment and condemnation and forgiveness, we just fast forward through all of that because the text is saying this. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, don't judge or you'll be judged. 
He's saying, don't condemn or you'll be condemned. He's saying, forgive and you will be forgiven. And then Jesus says, give and it will be given back to you. Please don't miss the context. Give judgment, you're going to get back judgment. Now, I don't hear many preachers talking about this. Give judgment, and it will be given back to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You don't hear pastors preaching this sermon. If you give judgment, it will be given back to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together. For with the measure you judge, judgment will be given back to you. Again, the context of the verse, judgment, condemnation, forgiveness, But you can also, listen church, you can apply these verses to the laws of sowing and reaping. If you sow a seed in the ground, you're going to, if it's a a seed to grow a tree, you're going to reap a tree with many more new seeds. So think about the principle. You give. Whatever you give, it's always best to give good things instead of bad things. Because you're going to get more back of whatever it is that you give. Uh, Pastor Robert, in his book, I cracked up when I I read the story. He tells the story of a mom who wanted to come to his office for church counseling. And she brought her, her kids with her. She didn't have a babysitter and she needed to meet with him for a counseling session. And so she comes in, and she's like, I don't know what to do with my kids. And he, he says, it's okay, it's okay, we can talk. He says, let's let your kids stay out here in the front office with my assistant. You come on back. We'll talk. And while we're talking, we'll leave the door open. And if you need to look out there and, and deal with them, you can. And so Pastor Robert and, and the mom start having this conversation. And she gets to this place of really opening a heart. And she says, Pastor She said, my kids, they actually yell at me. And he said about 15 seconds after she said that, she noticed her kids being loud out in the front lobby of his office, and she turns around and out the door screams, you can't stop yelling out there! (laughs) Made a baby cry. Sorry. And they continued to have the dialogue. And Pastor Robert, listen, Pastor Robert said this exact thing happened. She turns around. She yells at her kids out in the front lobby. And 10 to 15 seconds later, she looks back to him and says, Pastor, I don't know why my kids yell at me. And he simply said, Luke 6, 38, give yelling, and yelling will be given back to you. Now, here's the real question. How in the world are are we going to develop this heart of generosity? And so for the rest of this sermon today, I'm going to ask you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, If you want to go into the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 15, because God very clearly tells us there are four things you need to do in order to have a heart of generosity. 
Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 15, first verse 7 and 8. Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, by the way, let's just acknowledge that right there, God is giving this territory and this land to his people. But if anyone is poor uh, among your land that God has given you, the text says, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, you should be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. And so I really would encourage you, please, if you're a note-taker, begin to take notes. I'm going to give you these four points. To have a heart of generosity, the first thing you need to do is this. Number one, you've got to deal with a selfish heart. You've got to deal with the fact that you probably have a selfish heart. Look at Deuteronomy 15, verse 9. We'll put it on the screen as well. Deuteronomy 15, 9. The text says this. God says, you need to be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. Here's a warning. Be careful. Don't harbor this wicked thought. And the text says, in the seventh year, which is the year for canceling debts, it's near, it's coming you got to be careful about this. You don't need to harbor a wicked thought about this so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. Be careful. Don't do this. Because if you do that, then they may appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Now, let me just make sure you understand because this is a little bit strange to most of us when we read this. Here's what God's saying. If your brother comes to you and if he asks to borrow some money, don't be selfish. Don't think to yourself, oh man, the timing on my brother coming to ask for money, it could not be worse because in the Old Testament, God had this economic system that quite honestly, I'd kind of like for this thing to come back into me. Let me explain it. Every seven years in the Old Testament, if someone owed you money in the seventh year, you had to cancel their debt. They didn't have to pay you back. So, I mean, think about that in our world today. Hallelujah. Stop calling me, bill collector. It's year number seven. I don't have to pay you back. Come on. Okay. And so that's exactly what's playing out. And God's saying, hey, you can't think about that. You can't think about the fact that the seventh year is about to hit. No. You just don't need to have a selfish heart. In, in, in this text, God calls this kind of selfishness, he says it's wicked. It's wickedness. So God is saying, I just, I just don't want you to be selfish. I want you to be generous. Now, have, have you all ever thought about this? I mean, sometimes we don't even ask the most basic questions. Have you ever wondered, why did God create giving in the first place? And I'll just say, throughout the Bible, it's, it's obvious that God created this. But have you ever just stopped to think, why? I mean, even the kids are getting this one, okay? That's, thank you, Lord. The sooner they learn, man, they will, they will know the blessed life. But here's the point. Do you really think God 
needs your money to support his work? Does God need some of your money to like help pay the electric bill in heaven? Does God need some of your money so he can, you know, put in some more streets of gold up there in heaven? No, listen, it's none of that. Please hear me. Please hear me. God did not create giving for his sake. He created it for your sake. Giving, I believe this with all of my heart, giving more than any activity that a believer does works selfishness and greed out of your life. Gets rid of it. So because I believe that, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches, here's what really bothers me. When a preacher will say, give and you'll get. Give and you'll get a prosperity kind of preaching. Give and you'll get, give and you'll get. Do you know what that does? It actually works selfishness and greed back into your life. How messed up is that? And I have to wonder, what does God think about that? Does he say, oh, look at all my people. They're so motivated to give because they're excited about getting. Is he saying, oh, look at my people. They're catching the the revelation of, of getting. No, no. We need to catch the revelation of giving. Now, before we move on. I must say this, all the ladies, all, I'm not going to, you thought I was about to sing that song, all the, okay. <clears throat> all the single ladies, you know the song. But this is to all the ladies. This is to the married ladies, the single ladies, all the ladies. I, I want you to know, there is one area of selfishness that men, we never, ever grow out of. Just a warning. That's a little side note for you. We never, ever want to share our food. We don't want share it. Men, you think about it. If you're, if you're in the drive-thru with your wife, with your girlfriend, with your sister... You're rolling up in there. You're getting close to the ordered thing. Hey, honey, what do you want? I, I don't want anything. I'll just have some of what you're having. Oh, no, you will not. <laughs> no, not going to happen. Honey, baby, if you want something... Uh, You need to order your own. And while we're talking about this, dear wife, uh, you aren't getting any of my french fries. And on top of that, every single french fry falling into the bottom of my bag, that's mine too. Oh, man. Yeah, men, you know it's true. And I don't know if that's a point for the men or the or, but I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, okay. 
We got we to gotta learn to deal with a selfish heart. Y'all know I speak the truth, okay? <sighs> Here's point number two. So first, we got to deal with this selfish heart we have. Point number two, we got to deal with a grieving heart. We got to deal with a grieving heart. Look at Deuteronomy 15.10. <laughs> you like that. Man, they, these guys in the front row are liking that part of this term. Okay. Deuteronomy 15.10. Give generously to them. Give generously to them and do so. Uh, it depends on what version of the Bible you're reading. Without a grudging or a grieving heart. Give generously. Don't have a grieving heart. Then because of this, y'all, look at this. Because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all all of your work, and in everything you put your hand to. Wow. If we learn to give from the heart, if we learn to give with the right heart, God says he is going to bless everything you do. What a promise. It's all about our heart. This is all about our heart. And then you've also, now remember, here's a warning that comes along with this teaching. Here's what often happens when we give. Listen to me. When we give, selfishness will attack us before we give. And then grief will attack us after we give. Have you ever given, you made a decision to like give a, a large gift? Maybe you've made a big commitment, and right after you do that, like, something breaks. Something breaks. And then the enemy will whisper to you, see there, you shouldn't have done that. You should not have done that. And what do we do? We have, we have some grief. Why? Because we gave. Okay, I, I, just, I just had this aha moment. Some, you know, y'all know me. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I will, I'll say something that's not in the notes, okay, and that, that's just happened to me. I'm talking about money. And I, I remembered, I just now remembered that I didn't bring my wallet to church today, and we are supposed to go out to eat after church, and I do not have any money. <laughs> I, I don't have any money. I'm not... You serious? I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, get in line. Wow. I, I, God bless you, Mark Lewis. Wow. I listen. The Lord provided. Amen. Um, Matt. I don't know if you can see in the back row, that was a $100 bill, okay? Now, maybe I should just share my random thoughts more often when I'm (laughs) preaching, amen? Good grief. Now, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. I, I wonder when I said, I don't have any money, I wonder why Mark got up so fast to bring me that $100 bill. Let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him. I gave Mark that $100 bill before the service. 
Watch, watch, don't miss this. It was my $100. Mark was not grieving when he gave me that $100 bill. Why? Because it was mine. You, you think about this. The reason some of us grieve when we give is because we thought it was ours. And the Bible so clearly teaches us that everything, that everything is the Lord's. The earth and everything, the fullness thereof, it's all His. So when we give back to God what is already His, we don't need to grieve over it. We just don't. Point number three, the Lord wants you to develop a generous heart. Look at Deuteronomy 15, 14. And you shall supply them liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Oh, God wants you to be generous. But church, we're all born selfish. But here's the good news. We're born again generous. I believe deep in our hearts, every single born again believer has a desire to be generous. We want to be generous. Yet think about the very first things we have to teach our kids. Share. Share with one another. Share with one You know, I'm singing songs to them. Share. You got to Share. And yet the very moment, you know, you got a little five-year-old and you decide you're going to have a play date and let, let his little five-year-old friend come over. There's toys everywhere. And so the little friend comes in and, and within 30 seconds, the friend picks up a toy off the floor. I was playing with that. I was playing with that. That's mine. You know, and so the kid puts it down and, and then the little kid friend goes over and he picks it up. I was playing with that too. I was playing with that. That one's mine too. That's mine. I want you to think about what God is saying to all of his children in this verse. He's saying, church, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your heavenly father who so loved the world that he gave? God wants you to have a generous heart. And then here's truth number four, point number four. God wants you to develop a grateful heart. Look at Deuteronomy 15, 15. And remember that there was a time when you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God, he redeemed you. That is why I give you this command. I want you to think about what God is saying to us here. He's saying, hey, I'm commanding you to be a generous people. But he's also saying, your generosity is going to happen when you remember there was a time in your past when you were enslaved. When you remember what God has brought you through, you cannot help but be grateful 
And I would say that every now and then for every one of us in this room, I think we all need to be reminded how that everything we have has come from the Lord. No matter how much you think you might have without Jesus, you got nothing. In preparing for this week, I I thought back to my own life before I came to know Jesus Christ. I was lost. I was enslaved by sin. I was hopeless. I was scared. I was living a lie. But church, I will forever be grateful, resting in the promise that my sins have been forgiven. I'm resting in the promise of the gospel. I'm resting in the promise of God's unconditional love. In the book, um, Robert and his wife tell a story. And by the way, let me say, his generosity is mind-boggling. He is a man who has given away cars. He's given away his home. There was, there was a season where God led him to give away all the money in his retirement savings plan. And yet God continues to be faithful to him. So he tells the story that one night uh, he and his wife went out with another pastor and that pastor's wife. And they just had a really honest conversation. And, and halfway through the night, they asked this pastor friend, asked Robert's wife, What's the deal? Why why is it? Does this bother you? Why do you think it is that your husband is so generous? Does that bother you? And Robert responded and basically said, you know, you've got to remember something. She said, when Robert and I got married, he was not a believer. He didn't know Jesus. And so every time he leads us as a family to give extravagantly, she said, it reminds me of how his life has been so radically transformed by Christ. And then she said this. She said, the rest of the story is, why does my husband so radically give? She said, because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never gotten over it. And so as we move into this series, this is the most powerful biblical teaching I think I've ever studied in my life. It's already changed me. And my prayer is that God will use this, not in a condemning way, but but in a way because we want you to see what God wants for you. Oh, and it's a beautiful journey. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about what he's doing through you. So many of you, you're faithful. You have learned these principles. But to those of you who are still trying to figure this out, may God use this for his glory. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father God, Lord, sometimes it's it's kind of crazy how... Um, We have all these resources. We have your word. And I think we're already learning as a church, especially those of us who are in this small group ministry, how 
We just fast forward through so much of it. God, I confess that I've done the same thing with much of what you teach in Scripture about what it means to give, what it means to have a blessed life. And so, Lord, I repent. Because, God, I want to see everything, God, you want me to see, and I want that for our church, too. That's why we're taking this journey together. So, Lord, my prayer as we go through this is that not a single person would feel bullied or beat up. Oh, but, God, they would see how much, God, you want for them in their walk with you. God, do a miraculous work in our church. One that we might, too, look back as said, and and a year, five years, ten years down the road, point back to the Blessed Life series and say, look at what God did. Look at what God did for the glory of his kingdom, for his church, so that we might live out the Great Commission. God, guide us, prepare us for your glory, for whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, let me, let me, we're going to start a couple of minutes early, but I, let me kind of share some things before I get started. There, uh, we will, we will give you an opportunity. Uh, what I, what I want to do is bring you up to speed, but I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a, a couple of minutes if you have some questions, which that's no problem. That's great. Uh, that's what the family's about, the church family. So because I wanted to be focused and try to be clear, I put, I put all these thoughts on paper. So, and then two, there's going to be, according to our bylaws, and you'll understand this in just a moment, I'll officially call us into a church conference time. But this first part, before we're in that, is just me setting the stage and giving you an update. So uh, we got kids in here. It's all good. We love children. They're probably going to make noise. So we'll just press through that, okay? Um, okay. Here's what I want to do. I want to, as best I can with clarity and honoring your time, bring you up to speed. One month ago today, one month ago today, Thursday, January the 9th, I received a phone call from Trinity Christian Church, and they asked me, Kent, would your church be interested in purchasing uh, our church? And of course, I said, absolutely, we would like to talk about that. Uh, If you don't know yet, here's some of the details. Trinity Christian Church is on Lee Victory Parkway uh, in Smyrna. Trinity, in in the grand scheme of things, is not that old of a church. Trinity, uh, about 11 years ago, they purchased this land, 5.1 acres of land, and they built the existing building that they have used for the past 10 years. So this building, this structure is only 10 years old. The building is just under 8,000 square feet, and while it is not exactly what we need, with minimal work, we can use this building, obviously, for God's glory. So over the past month, since this phone call, what I want you to know is uh, I have met and I have dialogued with a whole lot of people, including our deacons, including our elder candidates, including our budget team and then several personal conversations with several of you in this room. Um, the land, you, Everybody, we've tried to keep this quiet, but you, you need to know these details. The land and the building, the five acres and the current building, is valued at somewhere between $1.7 to $2 million. And this is a God thing. Trinity has agreed to sell us this land and this building for $500,000. Okay? Um, 
over the past two weeks, over the past two weeks, our budget team, uh, along with our elder candidates, have heard from different lenders. And basically what we've done, we've applied with lenders. It's almost like when you're going to buy a house, to, to become pre-qualified for them to look at all of our information and say, hey, what, what could you do? Could you, you know, uh, qualify for a loan? And like the really good news churches, like they all want to help us. That's amazing. That's a God thing there. And I want you to know this. It is because of your stewardship. It is because of your faithfulness that God has opened these doors for our future. There are many churches like Hope who, who are churches that meet in schools that the Lord has just not allowed them to be in the place that, that we are at. And so after hearing back from all of these lenders, um, our, our teams who heard all of these um, proposals have found that a company, it's not even a company, it's a foundation, it's called Water's Edge. Water's Edge is the church lending arm of the Baptist Foundation of Oklahoma. Now you would say, Oklahoma, what's the deal? The Tennessee Baptist Foundation, which, you know, I used to be connected and work with Tennessee Baptist Convention, they, they got out of the church loan business. I really don't understand that. Maybe they didn't manage those monies as good as the Oklahoma Convention has, but when I call them, they said, oh, call Oklahoma. So that's what we did. So Water's Edge, an arm of the Oklahoma Baptist Foundation, has offered us what is the most competitive loan package with an interest rate of 4.25% for a commercial loan, basically that's unheard of, okay? Uh, for a commercial loan, that's very low. Their proposal also included much lower closing cost and perhaps the greatest kingdom win of all. Instead of this foundation being accountable to shareholders, the monies that are made, if any interest is made, which there will be some, is reinvested into kingdom ministry, into, into causes, into missions. So it's like, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Um, I've tried to anticipate some of your questions. I know you're going to ask more, perhaps. Uh, one of the biggest questions is, well, when can we move in? When can we do this? Um, if you affirm this as a church, after the closing we could immediately move our church offices over there. And the reason we would do that is because we're paying rent at the school and we're also paying rent for office space. So we can immediately move our offices so that we wouldn't have to pay rent on the church offices anymore. But before we move the entire church, it will absolutely require uh, the addition of some additional parking spaces, probably some remodeling of the, some of the existing building. And our hope is that we will be able to build additional space before we move in. So you're like, you still didn't answer the question. When can we move in? <laughs> if all those things happen, we would estimate it would be about a year. So what that would mean, we would continue together for worship here at the school, have offices over there, have space available for some activities, groups, things like that if need be, but a grand opening with the added space and all that, I'm guessing about a year. So today, let me, let me just hang with me. In order for our church, by the way, we put together a set of bylaws, you know, eight years ago, and I probably haven't read them in eight years. So I've been, we got to do this according to what our church has set up as our governing policies. 
So we've obviously looked at those a lot recently. According to those bylaws, for our church to just take the very first step in moving forward, our bylaws state that the church body, you, we need to vote on a decision like this to affirm it. And then if you affirm it, our deacon chairman, our deacon vice chairman, and our church treasurer would be the individuals who would sign all the contracts and all the real estate documents. So in summary, what, here again, we're not even in the business meeting part of this. What I'm asking the church to affirm today is this decision to purchase the land and building for $500,000. We have already pulled $50,000 out of our Hope for the House savings account as a down payment, like an escrow type thing. And so we're asking you today to approve that we would borrow $450,000 from the Baptist Foundation. Okay, so here again, you're going to be able to ask some questions related to the motion. The motion is going to come basically from, from our, our deacon body, our elder candidate team, who are all in agreement with this proposal. So let me now officially call Hope Fellowship Church into uh, a church conference, business meeting, call it what you want. Um, and let me now read to you this motion, and we're going to put it on the screen too. And then after I read the motion, we'll allow you to ask questions. Okay, let's put it up there. So here's the motion. We move that Hope Fellowship Church purchased Trinity Christian Church located at 1429 Lee Victory Parkway in Smyrna, Tennessee for $500,000. Hope Fellowship Church will finance $450,000 through Water's Edge Ministry Services, and Hope Fellowship will pay the additional $50,000 balance on the purchase price from the church savings account. Because this comes from multiple teams within the church, it does not require a second. But I do want to take a moment. Now let me pause and ask you, do you have any questions on, on this motion that we now have before you? What questions do you have? Yes. Would you say that again? The money? No. This, the $500,000 is only the purchase of the existing land and the existing building. So that baby step number one is this. That's the only thing we're basically deciding to do today. Yes. If that's what we choose to do, yes. Now, there have been conversations. We're going to get through this motion first, and then I'm going to bring to you a second motion that would allow us to begin to do some research on that, just to let you know. But yes, and they've also basically given us an estimate of total loan, how much they could possibly give. We'll talk about that. That's a great question. Yeah. What else? And if you have it, would you mind standing up because it's hard for me to see you. Oh, Monica now has a microphone. Perfect. Get right in the middle, Monica. What other questions do you have? I'm full of questions. It's okay. Um, so I guess my only hesitation is to, to say yes or completely in for the 450 if we find out to do the renovations in the parking lot, et cetera, is... Another 750. I, I, I kind of, I mean, I need to see the whole package to know. Yeah. I understand the stair stepping uh -huh. approval. Yeah. But what is the total investment that we would be looking at to be able to 
Very easy way for me to answer that question. We don't know because we have not voted yet to hire an architect. To get to that number you want to see, we have to hire an architect, do renderings, and then bid that out to three different general contractors to give us that price. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Lord, we believe you have a best case scenario though. We today make a decision to purchase this land and property for $500,000. It's worth close to $2 million. And as a church, we have to say, you know what? Wow, this just isn't going to work out. And now all of a sudden, we have the opportunity to, as a church, do something with that. Sell it. Have time. You know, so that's a word. I don't believe that's going to happen. But to give, you know, your question, it's a hard question to answer. I've tried to get that answer on how much it will cost from multiple contractors and the, the estimates are all over the board. Some say as little as, you know, $125 a square foot to up to $250 a square foot. Realistically, that may be in the, the, the $175 to $200 a square foot, including parking. We don't know. We don't know yet. We would, so we would own it outright. Trinity would not have necessarily first right of refusal or anything like no, that? No, no, no. This is 100%. Yeah. Okay. Great questions. What else? Where? Miss Rhonda. This is really one of our housekeeping questions. Does, should the motion include closing costs and fees and things like that that are associated with this? Hope is absorbing all of those closing costs, yeah. To put some perspective on this too, you're like, well, where's that money going to come from? So far in the hope for the house account, we've been showing you a total in the bulletin, but that's only what's been given since the first of the year. We've been saving for quite some time. So when you add it all up together, we have almost $250 in our savings account which is an unbelievable blessing. Two, two questions. Mm -hmm. What's the term on the 450 for like what the note be, I guess? Yeah. And, and then second off is just, I mean, what about the Trinity congregation? Are, will they be joining us or? No. No, their plan is, in fact, uh, a lady visited our church today that had, had been a member there. And so you talk about God at work. Um, that church has been through a lot. It's a very, one church is celebrating and one church is it's going through like a death. Um, but the core group of people who want to continue a ministry, a church, just this past week received a phone call from a, an investor who owns two churches in Rutherford County and one of them's empty. And he said to them, if y'all need a place, you can use this church I have for free. So their plan is to basically completely start over. A, a new congregation with a new name and a new location and have a fresh start. Yeah. And pray for Dan's the pastor, Dan Seeley. Great guy. Keep him in your prayers. He's been, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. On the, it, it, there are two ways to answer your question about the loan. If Hope Fellowship Church did nothing else, nothing else, and didn't do an addition, um, a 20-year note would be about $2,800 a month.
to put that into perspective, right now, the rent we pay with some utilities for both the school and the office is over 3000 a month. So that's a win. That's if we do nothing at all, just the, just the loan of 450 However, an option would be if we go into a, a season to add on and build another addition, like another worship center, to give us more space, Water's Edge would give us, for this season of getting all that together, it's called an interest-only rate. You don't lock into your mortgage payment until construction is done. So for the first year, the interest-only rate would be $1,593. A considerable, you know, it's, it's about as real as you can get as far as what something our budget could easily absorb, good Lord willing, without anticipating any problems. Because we're a nonprofit, there is no property purchase. Uh, the insurance rates uh, would go up a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. Any other questions? All right. Is there someone that would like to uh, make a motion that we vote on this motion? Okay, who said that? We, we just, we're taking minutes. We want to get a name. So John Stone made, made a motion that we vote. Okay. And we have a second from Mark Lewis. If you're in favor, would you please signify now by saying aye? aye. If there are any opposed, would you please signify now by saying no? No, we got, we got a five-year-old that likes to say no. Let the record show. Matt and Lauren Gray, that's your son right there. All right. Okay, now let me move to the second motion. We're going to put it on the screen too. We move that representatives from the Hope Fellowship Church, representatives from the deacon body, from the elder candidate team, and from the budget team work with Pastor Kent and together appoint a transition and building team. This team of people from within the church body will help navigate the next steps necessary after the Lee Victory property closes. Responsibilities of this team will include, we've got another slide, three things. This team, and this is kind of what you were talking about, Peg, uh, they will identify and hire an architect to draw up some renderings for additional parking, for the addition of a phase two space, and for minor renovations on the existing structure. They would also be tasked to receive quotes from at least three general contractors to price out the costs of that construction, parking renovations. And then after they got all that, they would bring to the church body a report with their findings and with their recommendations. So none of that will proceed until the background homework is done with due diligence, and then we'll, we'll gather again as a church body. Okay, so that's the, the next motion. What questions do you have about this motion? They have a blueprint that shows where it potentially could set. I showed that to a general contractor, and he said, you know, that's just, it's a suggestion, but that architect up 10 years ago, just like, here's a box on the ground. They didn't draw up the full rendering and, and price it out with a quote. But you're right. Yep. Other questions? This is so surreal. 
Oh, praise the Lord. Any other? I don't want to, I don't want to delay this. Y'all think, starting to think about lunch probably, amen? All right. So now I would like to invite someone to, to move that we adopt this next motion. No, I already did that, didn't I? Is there a second? We don't even have to have a second. All those in favor. <laughs> My Robert's Rules of Orders, y'all. When we change the by the bylaws say that the pastor will be the moderator of the business sessions. Boy, I'm about to change that. <laughs> We're gonna work on that. If you same thing now, voting on the second motion. If you are in favor, would you please signify now by saying aye? Aye. If there are any opposed, would you please signify by saying no? All right, praise the Lord. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.